the beautiful and palatial UltimateSportsTalk.com radio studios. Good evening, everyone. I'm Dave Mitchell, welcoming you to the Ultimate Sports Talk show here at UltimateSportsTalk.com. Glad to have you along tonight as we sit back for our weekly endeavor to talk about the world of sports. And as always, just seems like every week, There just seems to be more and more going on in the world of sports, and that's what's happening here this evening. You can join us via the social media here tonight, everyone, by joining us on the chat room here at UltimateSportsTalk.com. And also, you can send us an email to dmitch at UltimateSportsTalk.com. That's dmitch at UltimateSportsTalk.com. Or you can send me a tweet, and my address, my Twitter address is at OHBB. Co-host. Well, there's a lot going on in the world of sports this week. There were two tremendous comebacks in the first round of the NHL playoffs, and we move into the semifinal round of the conference playoffs in the NHL. Meanwhile, the NBA playoffs are slowly moving along. We enter into the second month of the baseball season today. Next Thursday night, the NFL will take up to three days to draft seven rounds of college football players. And we preview the draft tonight with Sharona from the Yahoo Sports Radio Show Game Over with Yashti and Oscar F. Lopez, who is the founder of Gridiron Beauty's social sites and the No Joke football brand. We're going to do all that on tonight's show, plus more. But first... Effective immediately. I am banning Mr. Sterling for life from any association with the Clippers organization, or the NBA. He will also be barred from attending NBA Board of Governors meetings or participating in any other league activity. I am also fining Mr. Sterling $2.5 million, the maximum amount allowed under the NBA Constitution. As for Mr. Sterling's ownership interest in the Clippers, I will urge the Board of Governors to exercise its authority to force a sale of the team and will do everything in my power to ensure that that happens. And with that announcement on Tuesday, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, only three months into his job, banned Los Angeles Clippers owner Donald Sterling for life. Sterling, as you heard Silver say, may not attend any NBA games or practices, be present at any Clippers offices or facilities, or participate in any business or player personnel decisions involving the team. Now, this has been going on for virtually a week. The tape from TMZ came out on Friday. ESPN jumped all over it, and it has made national headlines for the last seven days. I would be willing to bet and I'm just going to come right out and say this, that 95% of the people that have made opinions let their feelings be known about this situation did not listen to the entire 10-minute tape of Donald Sterling and his girlfriend. That being said, I did, twice. And I've got different views on this. I think you have to take Donald Sterling not only at his word, but... On top of that, in order to be fair, you have to flip the coin and look at his entire body of work. Before I do that, 
let me go into a couple of other different items here. Sterling said that, or I'm sorry, Silver said that Sterling is also going to be barred from attending the NBA Board of Governors meetings and participating in any other league activity. And Silver acknowledged the league's investigation verified Sterling made racist comments in the audio recording that was made public last Friday. Now, Silver said he was outraged by the remarks, so let me get into this. He apologized at the press conference on Tuesday to former players and anyone else offended by the sentiments in the recording, including Bill Russell and Magic Johnson. Bill Russell I have no problems with. Bill Russell has led his life morally and impeccably. He was a great basketball player and citizen in this country. He was a great ambassador for the NBA game and still is to this day. Bill Russell has stood up for his race at every opportunity, but he has done it with class and dignity all the way through. I have read almost every book Bill Russell ever wrote, and believe me, I believe Bill Russell will be the, one of the finest individuals in this world. Johnson, on the other hand, I find extremely interesting. No one can say that Magic Johnson left the NBA upon his own terms. Definitely not. He had to leave the game because of AIDS. Why did he have AIDS? He readily admitted because he ran all over the place with women on his future wife. He was embarrassing in what he did. It was embarrassing how he left the league. It was embarrassing to himself. And it was embarrassing to all the players in the NBA. And yesterday and today, I found Magic Johnson's comments about the resignation of Mike D'Antoni, the Lakers head basketball coach, extremely appalling, saying that happy days are here again. Mike D'Antoni is no longer the head coach of the Lakers. Well, I understand Magic being a former Laker, winning five championships with the Lakers. He's a former owner of the Lakers. But now he wants to own the Los Angeles Clippers. This has got to be making Jerry Buss, the former owner and the man who coerced the draft in order to draft Magic Johnson, number one out of Michigan State, it's got to make him roll over in his grave that Magic would actually, not only did he divest himself of the Lakers in order to get into the consortium group that bought the Los Angeles Dodgers, but now he wants to form another group to purchase the Clippers. I mean, even the Buss family, Jeannie and Jerry's son Jim, have to be wondering where Magic is coming forward on this. Sterling's punishment also includes a $2.5 million fine. Now that fine, as you heard Silver say, it was the maximum amount allowed under the NBA's charter. So now comes the attempt by the NBA to make Sterling sell this team. It is going to take three quarters of the remaining 29 owners, or 22, to force Sterling to sell. And many feel this is a done deal. I think it's a done deal. They were supposed to be meeting later on today and tomorrow to decide the rules of this vote, when it would be held, and if the vote would be public or private. And I think that is a big deal. That's probably more than a, more of a big deal than people realize. There could be some dissenting votes on this out of the owners if this is a private vote. 
if it is a public vote, in other words, if everybody's going to know what owner voted yay or nay against Sterling, then it will probably come down as unanimous. But if it's private, I still think they'll get the 22 votes in order to try to force Sterling out, but I don't think it will be unanimous. Now, keep in mind, many people don't realize that Donald Sterling, the way he made his millions, was not only through his real estate holdings, but also he is a former divorce attorney, and he was an ambulance-chasing attorney. So he has probably as much time in the courtroom as he does outside the courtroom. So he will definitely take this to court, and it will not be decided for years. It is not a stretch to even think that Donald Sterling may be gone by the time this is done being decided in the courts. Because right before the announcement was made by Silver, Sterling came out and told Fox News the team was not for sale. He was not selling the team. Now, Sterling has been very conspicuously quiet during this entire ordeal. He hasn't said a word. He stayed away from things. His estranged wife let loose with a press release on Tuesday after the decision came down. She, was, she made a very public phone call to Doc Rivers asking if she could come to the playoff game on Tuesday night in Los Angeles, and he graciously said yes. But keep in mind, the reason she hasn't divorced Donald Sterling as of yet is because her kids want the Clippers and want to run the organization. She wants her piece of the pie. Obviously, she's going to come out against her husband. But where was she in the previous 53 years of their marriage? She did not stand up against Donald Sterling. Nobody did in the NBA except for one person. Elgin Baylor, whom Donald Sterling made one of the first black general managers in the history of the NBA. If you look at the Clippers today, and that's why I say you've got to look at the body of work that Donald Sterling has amassed throughout his plus 30 years in the NBA. He has an African-American head coach. He has, on the 15-man roster, 14 African-American foreign or mixed ball players, only one Caucasian ball player on the team, and that's J.J. Redick. And then he's got a predominantly African-American front office. He has done his job as far as promoting the minority races in this country. And the NBA, in one fell swoop because of one tape that was supposedly, that was made, not supposedly, but was made in private and did air racist views. And I know this is not popular, but this is the truth. Did air racist views. The NBA decided to erase the 30 years that he had put forward. Sure, there were rumors that Sterling was a racist, but it was never proven. Elgin Baylor tried to sue him. It didn't work. He was sued by the Department of Justice for being basically a slumlord and, and trying to keep Latinos and African Americans out of his apartment complexes. They couldn't form a good case against him. Donald Sterling beat everyone. Don't be surprised 
if he beats the NBA on this. But really, Adam Silver had no choice. I mean, look at the history of Donald Sterling. Like I said, he caused this problem himself. And unfortunately, he's going to have to live with it now. But the NBA is actually going to look at this situation. And believe me, Donald Sterling will take this to court. And the NBA will be in a dogfight against Donald Sterling in this entire banning situation. That's a look at the Donald Sterling situation for tonight on the Ultimate Sports Talk Show. But next Monday or next Thursday night, excuse me, we are going to have the finally the NFL draft. Finally, it has been extended more more months. I think I've aged three years since the football season ended before this draft has come about, and I am so sick and tired of talking about certain players, I could really just about spit. But what we're going to do is we're going to talk about it more tonight. We're going to have our mock draft next week. We've got two guests on tonight, and our first guest tonight, want to welcome to our Ultimate Sports Talk microphones from the Yashti and Sharona Game Over Show on Yahoo Sports Sharona. Thanks for joining us tonight, Sharona. How are you tonight? I'm great. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, this is great. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you just fine. Can you hear me? Yes, can hear you just fine. You mm-hmm. you understand what's going on with live radio, so I, want, I, I wanted do. to check that I out. I absolutely do. <laughs> now, your show is on every Monday through Friday, uh, 10 a.m. Central on AM 730 in Memphis, correct? It is, yes. It's aired... Um, Outside the Memphis area, and of course, as most Yahoo radio shows are, you can listen online as well. Great. All right. So what we wanted to have yeah. you on tonight, Sharona, was to get your thoughts on the NFL draft. First of all, are you as tired as everyone else of talking about all these players? I am so sick of it. I can't even um, see straight. I just want it to be over, and it really should already be over. This wait is ridiculous. I don't think it's doing anybody any justice. It's really not helping the situation. Um, you know, I think that you can make a good argument that it's actually hurting um, the situation. But, you know, it is what it is. And but fortunately, and you're right, you know, only one more week to go, yay. Well, you know, 30 years ago, they used to do 14 rounds of this draft in one day. Now they do only right? seven in three days. Yeah. Well, of course, they used to do these at the Combine in Cowfield, too. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> They it's did. A <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into it. What are your general views? Just generally, what's your views of this draft? How does it stack up talent-wise opposed to drafts in the last five or six years? Uh, it, it's deep at some positions. It's not so deep at others. Um, I think one of the things that stands out to me is that more and more it's becoming about draft talk as opposed to being at, about the actual process, if that makes any sense. You know, I mean, there's such an industry that's being built around, and it, the NFL is ever um, happy to create money and money-making opportunities, and that's, that's a good thing, and I'm not, you know, I'm not opposed to that, but I think that, you know, what, what I see happening with guys like um, Teddy Bridgewater just concerns me. What uh, tell tell me, Sharona? Are you the same feeling that I am that this draft has maybe four 
outstanding, maybe future Hall of Famers in it. And then after that, they've probably got about three rounds of players that are just going to be generally good players, but not great. Yeah, yeah, buy into that. Four eighty six. That you look at them and you say, yeah, I can see this guy being a Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, they often say that it's about timing and opportunity. And uh, for so many of this, these guys, it's going to depend upon where they get drafted, you know, what system they go into, mm-hmm. what coaching staff they um, they develop and learn from. So I, I think that there are more than that that are worthy, that could possibly be, you know, uh, very good players and possibly Hall of Famers. But, you know, you just don't know. Um, there's The NFL draft is largely about potential. There are, you know, probably about, I would say, 20 to 25 guys that you know that you're going to get good, solid production from no matter what, right? I mean, there's a, just those kind of players. That solid production doesn't equal Hall of Fame, but you know you're not. There aren't that many Hall of Famers either. And if you can get you know good solid production for five, six, seven years, you know if you can get your draft class to a second contract and they're producing and and helping you win games, it's successful to me. Okay, you're down there in Tennessee, in the middle of SEC territory. So I'm going to ask you about. Two of the SEC players. The first one, Jadavian Clowney out of South Carolina. What's your feelings about him? Is he the number one pick? He would be for me. Uh, he is, I called him a defensive weapon the other day. I, you know, he is a one in a generation player to me. Uh, he just has that skill set. He, he can have that kind of impact. Uh, you know, I mean, there are some things that he's done in the process that you're like, yeah, we really wish he hadn't done that or wish he had done this. But but he just has that um, that kind of talent. He can take over games. I don't care what people said about last season. You you saw it. And he is a guy that that teams account for and they game plan for. And that's what you want. You know, you want man, if you can get your hands on a a, a player like that the teams have to game plan around, you're um, you're doing pretty good. Are the, the reports of him being lazy overblown, Sharona? Oh, absolutely. There's no question whatsoever that they are overblown. There's no question. That, that's, that's exactly what I thought. Okay, second one, got to bring him up. I'm tired of talking about this kid, but I got to <laughs> bring him up. Johnny Manziel, yeah. what are your thoughts on him? Uh, yeah, I was talking about him on Twitter today. I've read a lot about him. Exciting college football player. A little small. We've seen that that is certainly not insurmountable. There have been you know, shorter, smaller quarterbacks that have been successful. And, and I really like Russell Wilson. Drew Brees gets brought up. Uh, you know, the decision-making process, he's smart. He's a smart guy. You have to... Um, credit that, but you still question some of the decision making uh, your process. And so I, I think for him, and he would be one of the guys that I would say it's far more important for him to go to the right situation than it might be some of these other quarterbacks. And um, so, I mean, that's, yeah, that's my feel on him. Does his game translate to the NFL? 
I don't know. I have some concerns about that, but I guess we will see because you're going to get drafted. Um, how high he gets drafted is is going to be fun to watch, but he's mm-hmm. definitely going to get drafted high, and um, there's, there are going to be a lot of expectations placed on that young man. I really think with Manziel, there's no in-between. He's either going to be great or he's going to be a total bust and out of the league in maybe three to four yeah. years. What do you think? Yeah, you know, and I think that that's kind of – that's been one of the things about him that that I've kind of questioned. You know, he comes from family money, and uh, so it's not about – it's not going to be about the money for him. It's about does he want to commit himself to becoming a great NFL quarterback. Is this what he wants out of life, or does he just want the stardom? Does he just want the accolades? Does he just want to go and hang out? You know, in Hollywood and be this, um, you know, this famous guy. I don't know. That that is my one of my biggest questions about him. What about Teddy Bridgewater? I love Teddy Bridgewater. To me, I, I don't. I really don't understand what's going on with Teddy Bridgewater. I don't understand all the questions. I don't understand why Johnny Manziel can be the face of your franchise and Teddy Bridgewater cannot. I, I'm still trying to wrap my brain around that. I cannot come up with a good reason for that. And, and therefore, I really, at this point, am questioning a lot about the draft process. I just think there's too long a time in between the end of the season and the draft that to, to investigate these guys and and just nitpick over things. I think it's a space to fill. You know, it's a dead period. There's not much going on in the NFL. You've got all this buzz and excitement about the NBA. The NBA playoffs are going on. And you've got, you know, the NHL and the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I think you've got an NFL that's in a very dead period trying to compete with these two. And Major League Baseball is starting up and, you know, things going on there. And I think it's a circle jerk. I think they're creating – they are creating – things that just aren't there because they need something to talk about. Okay, the consensus is Menzel, Bridgewater, Bortles, the top three mm-hmm. quarterbacks. But then you've got the bottom, the next three, I wouldn't say bottom, but the next three, McCarron, Mettenberger out of LSU, Murray out of Georgia. Is there that much difference between the top three and those three? Yeah, you know, and Derek Carr fits in there somewhere, and I'm not sure exactly where he fits in. He's kind of an interesting guy for me. Um, I, I like AJ McCarron to me is is a guy that you could draft and feel safe that you've got someone. You don't have to start him right away. He might want to start him right away, um, but he, you know, he's a guy who's. He's been there. He's done it. He's he's done just about everything you would want to do, you know, in college football. So he's game ready, I guess I would say. Mm-hmm. How high is his How high is his ceiling? Is he a guy that's going to develop into a franchise quarterback that you want to build your team around? I think that's largely the question about AJ McCarron. I, I would still say drafting him, but probably not before the third round. I see him being mentioned in the second round. I don't know that I'm comfortable taking him then. Now, Aaron Murray's coming off that you know, that injury. Um, 
he's a guy who I had really had doubts about. I watched him a lot at Georgia. Uh, did a lot better last year than before his injury, obviously, than I expected. But um, is he is is he a guy that you want to go around and see a franchise quarterback? I don't know. I mean, I think that he's a guy that you could feel safe taking later on and taking a chance on because really it is all a crapshoot. You know, as for the LSU quarterback, seems to have rebounded from some of the um, just you know he speaking of decision making, but gosh, he has some you know some interesting things. But um, you know, clearly a talented guy. And of those three, I would say he's got the most feeling. Uh, if we're talking about you know Mittenberger and um, mm-hmm. uh, McCarran and Murray, he would be the one. If you could you know forget all these other things, I'd be like, oh wow, you know that guy's got physical tools and, and is really you know, kind of an exciting prospect. Well, as a Browns fan, I would be happy coming away from this draft with Carr or McCarran, but I've just got a sneaky suspicion here, Sharona, that McCarran is going to end up in New England with Belichick. He seems to me to be the perfect Belichick draft. He really does put me in the mind of Tom Brady. And I'm not kidding. Um, it's so interesting your Browns fan. I want to hear your thoughts on Vince Jones. Um, <laughs> interesting, interesting signing there. No, I mean, I don't know. Um, I, I think that he is absolutely a, a dream pick. I don't know where, you know, where the Pats would pick him. But, yeah, I could definitely see him in their system and really doing well in their system. Yeah, I, I agree with you. As far as Vince Young, if the Browns are getting the Vince Young that spent the first two years in Tennessee, that's a great sign. But if they're getting the, the Vince Young that is off his mental meds, it's not a good sign. Well, unfortunately, we haven't seen that Vince Young in so long. I, I, I credit the reports that say Vince Young has matured and that he – has been humbled and that you know, he has learned his lesson and all that, and he's finally willing to put in the, the work and in the time and all of that. All things that he should have done early on in, in his career, or we would not be here. But we're so far removed from, you know, from when he was that guy. I just don't know if he can do it. I mean, I wish him well. I hope that he does you know, really well in Cleveland, but I just don't know. I, I yeah, I, I agree with you, Sharona. Okay, I'm going to make you the general manager of five teams, and you okay. tell me your your picks for these five. I'm going to make you the general manager of the Houston Texans. You've got the number one pick. Who do you take? Um, today and finally, it's not even. I don't even have to think about it. Okay, you're now the general manager of the St. Louis Rams. You're now the boss of Jeff Fisher. Oh, Who do you take with number two? Um, Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack. All right. Now you're the general manager of Jacksonville. The third pick. Sammy Watson. Darn you. That's who I wanted for the Browns. Okay. Now you're the general manager of the Browns at number four. Who do you take at number four? Uh, Teddy Bridgewater. You take Bridgewater at number four. All right. Now, we're going to drop all the way to number 11, and you're the GM of the Tennessee Titans. Now, who do they take at well, number 11? If, if Teddy Bridgewater is there, I've been through this before. If Teddy Bridgewater is there, I'm taking him. 
uh, if he's not, I'm going to take a defensive player most likely. And if Khalil Mack, he's not going to be there. Khalil Mack is there. I'm obviously going to jump on him and, and never look back. Um, if I've got that pick, though, and all things are equal, I'm probably taking C.J. Mosley from Alabama. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Bridgewater if Bridgewater gets past Minnesota, Sharona, I think he'll be there at number 11. Mm-hmm. He'll be. He will be. And, um, you know, here's the interesting thing for the Titans. And, you know, obviously I wasn't presented with this choice. I went through it um, with, with a couple of other guys on some other shows. If the Titans are sitting there at 11 and one of the big three quarterbacks, or even all the big three quarterbacks, which is certainly – you know, not out of the question, would be very surprising. At that point, I would think that they have to be working the phone lines trying to get some draft picks because they only have six. They don't have a third-round pick. Uh, I, I know people are, they question Jake Locker, but, you know, before he got hurt twice last year, he looked good. And, um, you know, they've also got Tyler Wilson um, on their roster, too, who is um, he was very highly regarded, you know, coming out of Arkansas. Uh, Clipboard Jesus, you know, you, you hope that he's not uh, called upon to have to start, but you know, obviously he's a guy who who um, uh, Ken Wilson Hunt wanted to come in to, to help out his quarterback situation. So I don't think that they necessarily have to take a quarterback. And if they can get, if they can stock up and get some some great draft picks by moving out of that spot, moving back, you know, maybe they take a McKeeran or you know, maybe even a Taj Boyd, you know, like in the fifth or sixth round. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if they if they want to take a quarterback, they could opt up for that route. Um, getting more draft picks to me would be optimal for them because you know they're very much a team that's in transition. They have a lot of work to do on their roster and you know and here's the other thing and of course you you don't know um they can very well go with a defensive back at that selection um i like how hawk clinton jake i think he's a great player would they take and you know a guy like calvin Pryor that high you know maybe not but that then you see the you know maybe the benefits of trading back you know giving up that um, that possible quarterback trading back and getting a guy like Kyle Fuller or um, Calvin Pryor. Yeah, there's a lot of good DBs in this draft too, isn't there? Yeah, there really are. Yeah, there there is. Hey, I got to throw you a couple curveballs here before I let you go. Sure. Away from the NFL, right. Butch Jones came to Tennessee last year from Cincinnati. What did you yep. think of his first year at Tennessee? Oh, Butch Jones, yeah, um, uh, A plus. You know, they didn't win. They won some games. I didn't think that they would win, right? Um, we're expecting that competitive people expect that you him an A for his recruiting. Good uh, in a few years. He will make another year or two. And they're going to be highly, highly competitive. I I definitely agree with you. Butch Jones is a great, great coach down there for Tennessee. Got to ask you this question. Sure. 
New Browns owner Jimmy Haslam is from Tennessee. What do you know yes. about this guy? He's under investigation. Are the Browns going to be looking for a new owner, or is he going to skate? Uh, you know, um, <laughs> I probably know about more about Jimmy Haslam than you want to hear. Um, very well-known family here. His uh, brother, obviously, is the governor. Um, so I'm going to be very careful what I say. <laughs> but um, let's just say that um, they are generally pretty smart, savvy businessmen. Um, they did not get to where they are by accident. And as as most everyone knows, business people aren't always people that uh, do things you admire. Mm-hmm. So, Donald uh, Sterling. I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I, you don't have to say any more, and, and I think you and I are in the same boat with that one. I agree right. with you. Okay. Sharona, tell me, how do people uh, catch up with you on Twitter and give us the show times again and where they can find you at? Oh, sure. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sports by Sharona. Um, I do uh, a lot of work with NFL Female. Uh, you can, if you want to catch up with any of my writing or whatnot, you can find me on my uh, website, sportsbysharona.com. The show is called Game Over with Bastai and Sharona. It airs Monday through Friday. 10 o'clock a.m. Central Standard Time on uh, Yahoo Sports Radio, Yahoo uh, AM 7:30. So, um, and you can find all that information on my Twitter account or on the show's Twitter account at Game Over Sports. We're just starting up, so tune in. Well, I'll tell you what, you've got some great information there. Really appreciate your help here Thanks. tonight, previewing the draft. And hey, when it comes time to for training camp in in June and July. If you don't mind, we'll give you a call and have you back on and talk about the Titans more. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Sharona. Appreciate your time tonight. Thank you. Bye-bye. But goodbye. Again, we're going to be talking about the draft next week. Next week, the draft, of course. There's a lot of rumors going on right now, especially with the Cleveland Browns. One of the freshest rumors that is out there is that the Browns are looking at possibly trading down to number nine, with Buffalo and maybe picking up some extra draft picks, which is kind of an interesting uh, situation there because, and I'll tell you, and we'll get more into our mock draft next week when Greg Mitchell joins us, but if the Browns at number four get down there, and I think if, if Watkins is gone and Khalil Mack of Buffalo is gone, I think you could see the Browns try to trade down a little bit, maybe even with, Minnesota, possibly Atlanta. Uh, Buffalo seems to be a good pick. Uh, but I think the Browns would probably want to pick up more more draft picks, even though right now they've got five of the first 83 picks in the draft. And on top of that, they've got ten picks overall. St. Louis and the Browns have two picks each in the first round. And Tennessee, as I said, they're they're picking number 11. They're another trade companion that the Browns could look at. Another rumor that's going on is that Atlanta wants Jadavion Clowney and could change uh, trade for the number one pick with the Houston Texans. They could switch spots. Atlanta could go up to number one, and Houston could drop back to number six. And then Mike Mayock of the NFL Network is saying he expects the San Francisco 49ers to trade 
out of the first round. Right now, they've got the number 30 overall pick, and they've got 11 picks, which is the most in this draft. And like I said, the Browns, they have 10 picks in this draft. So it should be very interesting. Again, Greg and I will be in here next week with our mock draft going over all 32 picks in the first round next Thursday night. Let's continue on with our NFL draft outlook for next week on tonight's Ultimate Sports Talk Show. And enter in our guest for this evening on the show, Oscar F. Lopez, who is the head of the Gridiron Beauty social site and no-joke football brand. Our producer, Greg Mitchell, had an opportunity to hear his podcast a couple of weeks ago in regards to the upcoming NFL draft. Oscar, thanks for joining us tonight. How are you? I'm doing great, Dave. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Glad to have you on tonight. Well, of course, the big name for the NFL draft, we're going to get into that in just a little bit, is Jadavion Clowney, but I know you did your podcast a couple of weeks ago previewing the NFL draft. Tell me, who did you decide that the Houston Texans were going to take with the number one pick? Um, you know, it's, 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 this year's kind of a beefy mentality, what I consider more of the uh, offensive line, defensive line mentality, not so much with the quarterbacks. Even though Menzel and uh, Bortles are probably getting the press, uh, you know, in terms of Bridgewater and them, which the quarterbacks always get some sort of press. But I really think it's going to come down to uh, maybe clowning, uh, if not clowning, maybe Robinson for me. Uh, I know some people are really high on Khalil Mack as well as Jake Matthews. So, uh, you know, between those two, uh, between that group, I think the number one pick uh, will be beneficial to Texas either way because it's going to be an offensive uh, defensive or offensive uh, need. Does it say anything about the, in your opinion, about the caliber of these quarterbacks that the, Tekken, the Texans, who actually need a quarterback, they're about desperate for one, are going to bypass somebody in their own backyard and, and go for a defensive-type player? Yeah, I, I really think that uh, given the fact that they, they want to probably get a quarterback at this point, uh, Manziel being from there, and he's hyped up that to where he wants to be a Texan. I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, if anything, maybe Bridgewater or Bortles goes in that in that early round, maybe in the first round, if they do that. But uh, my gut's telling me they're probably going to take a defensive player. Well, when you look at this draft overall, a lot of people, Oscar, are saying that this might be one of the deepest drafts ever in NFL football history. How do you feel about this crop coming out of college? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that, you know, there's a lot of talent here, uh, a lot of potential superstars uh, to come in, in in year one, year two. Um, so, you know, you, you've seen Andrew Luck, uh, RG3, uh, Russell Wilson. Uh, I think a lot of the uh, players, they're not on the quarterback end uh, in this draft, but are on offensively or defensive-minded. Um, they're very talented, and they've proven that in the you know, in the draft mode right now with all the hype that they're getting. But in reality, I think Clowning does have the potential, and he comes from a smaller school. He doesn't come from the, you know, the big-time uh, schools that you normally would get uh, big players from. So, you know, South Carolina obviously is not anything small, but with the same token, uh, it's a great – I think it'll be a great fit for anybody in the first round. Oscar Lopez, our guest here tonight from Gridiron Beauty's social site. Oscar – the quarterbacks. Let, we might as well just go ahead and get into it. 
course, many people think the top three, as you've already mentioned, two of them, Bridgewater, Bortles, of course, Johnny Manziel. In your opinion, is this quarterback crop weak, or is it just consistently talented all the way across the board? Um, I think it's, you know, they're just big-name players. Uh, the, the landscape of, of what we perceive players uh, from, like, five years ago is completely front and center now. I think it's more reality TV now for the NFL, in my eyes. Uh, we're dissecting these players to a microscope state, and nobody's going to know how well they do until they take the first snap on a professional level. Look at uh, Mark Sanchez. Um, we can look at all these other players that came out of college and look where they're at now in their career. So um, let's hope that, you know, the Bridgewaters, the Manzels, and the Borders, uh, I'm sorry, Blake Bortles uh, actually come out and make an impact just like RG3 and Andrew Luck did. So that's going to both well for the league. Uh, Manziel, I think he's pretty talented. Um, he's got a very, he's very confident. Uh, Bortles, has, in my eyes, I think he's pretty decent, pretty decent quarterback. Bridgewater, uh, might, might be some question marks there, but overall I think those are the top three names that will probably be handpicked either in the first or second round. Oscar, who do you think is overall the quarterback that is most likely to succeed and the quarterback who is most likely to fail? Um, I, I will do Bridgewater to maybe fail uh, early on, but uh, I, I really think he's got some good potential in, you know, long-term. Um, Manziel has shown that he obviously, you know, is high-level quality, so now, you know, his hype has to be proven early on. So I don't know if that's going to be something that will affect him early. Uh, Blake Bortles, in my eyes, I think is pretty decent and, and comfortable, and he's very reliable. So overall, I think if I had to scale him down, I uh, would take Manziel one, maybe Bridgewater two, and then uh, Bortles three. After those three, Oscar, what do you think of the quarterback crop, and who do you think is the, the fourth best quarterback, I guess is the best way to ask that? Uh, I like Dave, I, I like uh, David Carr. Uh, is fourth right now. Uh, I think he's got potential. He's you know not well known in the top three like everybody else is talking about these guys. But I think Carr is probably going to be a potential uh, player in that sense. Um, the other uh, the other quarterbacks, um, I mean they're they're not well known. But um, uh, Alabama uh, Alabama's quarterback, I can't remember his name right now, escapes me. Um, AJ McCarron. McCarron, there you go. He's got potential, and I think he's, uh, everybody's not talking about him, but I think he will surprise. I mean, this is a kid that's gone into a national spotlight, and I think he's going to make an impact when he comes in, and he's under the radar. So, you know, what better way to come in and make an impact when you're under the radar? I mean, you also have, uh, I think, uh, Tom Savage uh, out of Pittsburgh. Um, I think, you know, from film that I've seen, um, he could be a good player there. So those are some of the names that I've, you know, kind of like dissected in. But overall, I think the top three everybody's kind of focusing on. Okay, let's go back to the draft and, and go over the, the top four. In your mock draft, who did you have going to Houston 1, St. Louis 2, Jacksonville 3, and the Cleveland Browns at number four? All right, let me see what I got my list here for you. I'm going to pull it up in a second here. Um, okay. I, I really think... Uh, I really think, you know, you were saying Texans need really a quarterback, uh, but I don't think they're going to take a quarterback. I think Clowning probably goes with the Texans at this point. Um, 
The Rams probably could benefit from maybe a Jack Matthews, um, maybe even a Sammy Watkins uh, to give, you know, some receiving uh, potential there. Um, Cleveland really needs an impact player, but I don't know if they'll take a quarterback. And if they don't take a quarterback, uh, they're more than likely to take, like, maybe a Taylor Leland or a Greg Robinson. Um, but, you know, overall, I think there's a lot of needs in the first top four. And some of these teams that we're talking about uh, really need a rebound year, uh, especially the Texans from, you know, last year. But more so, you know, the Browns and the Rams really need some sort of uh, spark. Have you heard any rumors of any trades or anything moving up at all? Uh, no, not not that I'm aware of. Um, I was speaking to Emery Hunt on our uh, show that we do, the Great Iron Beauty Show on Block Talk Radio, and he gave us some ideas. But overall, I think we're all in the dark at this point. We just we're going to have to. May eighth is going to be pretty exciting, considering, like you said, that this this draft's pretty heavy. It's extremely heavy. Do you see any? Like I said, the the top four, everybody seems to think Oscar in some way, form, or fashion, is going to be Clowney, Watkins, Robinson, and Mack. Do you see anybody else in this draft breaking into that top four somehow? Um, I like uh, Mike Evans um, as well uh, from Texas A&M, kind of underneath there, Mike Evans. Uh, Aaron Donald uh, is pretty good, too. He's, you know, out of Pittsburgh. Um, sort of, you can you can see my feel for Pennsylvania right there. Um mm-hmm. But I, you know, overall, Khalil Mast is kind of a beast as well. So you know, there's a lot of potential in the first probably 15 picks. You you also have uh, the wide receiver mix that's in the mix as well. You know, uh, LSU's uh, uh, Odell Beckham as well. So you got a, a wide receiver mix in this draft, uh, coupled with a uh, what I consider an overhyped quarterback mix, because you know the quarterbacks the focus obviously, but some of these teams really need. Uh, you know, an offensive, uh, offensive guard, they need an offensive tackle, they need a defensive end, uh, you know, to, to kind of uh, blend in with what they have now, either the rookie core or the free agency fills that they got in. So it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, how the teams react based on their current personnel right now, especially coming off of free agency. Oscar Lopez, our guest here tonight on Ultimate Sports Talk. Oscar. Gridiron Beauties, the social site, and your radio show. Tell us about both of them. All right. Um, so, uh, Dave, what we've done is since 2010, and I, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, former Lingerie Football League, which is now the yes, Legends Football League. <laughs> okay, well, with Legends Football League, um, when they came on board in 2009, we ended up being on board in 2010, and we started on Facebook originally. Uh, originally, we were a huge supporter of the girls there because it was a brand new sport. It was on MTV too. We really wanted to support, you know, the ladies in terms of the women's sports, and it was football uh, in a marketing, you know, flashy sense, which worked. So from there, our social sites have branched out to the traditional women's game, and now our focus is basically uh, women's uh, football altogether with the lingerie and the women's tackle uh, on the site. So we do marketing. We uh, uh, kind of work with upcoming photographers, uh, help out some of the players with player dues as best as we can. Uh, that's the reason we started No Joke Football Brand. The No Joke Football Brand really expresses the attitude of the women's game, and most people don't know if they haven't gone to see a women's football game. They don't know exactly what kind of cal- uh, caliber of football there is. Uh, there's two U.S. leagues, 
in the country that are very top-notch. There's uh, other leagues globally that are bringing up the scale, especially in Australia. They're branching out. There was the Women's World Championship last year in 2013 that kind of enhanced that with Team USA. Um, you probably heard of Jen Walker on the Texas Revolution of the Indoor Football League. She made some headlines there. So there's a women's movement and women's traditional football as well as just women's sports, and we are, like, excited to be part of it and to help them out as well. And that's where we're at, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Pinterest. Uh, our website on our uh, apparel, where everybody can go out there, is uh, zazzle.com forward slash gridiron beauty. So we're here basically to devote uh, a, you know, a passion to express to the world that women's gridiron is an amazing game. I think the one thing that will surprise people, because it did me, and I've seen thousands of football games throughout my years, but the first few times I watched a woman's football game, Oscar, they hit, and they hit hard. Yeah, it's fundamentally sound game, and I think that's really the difference. These, you know, these women really put in their heart and soul into wanting to learn mm-hmm. like a sponge, and they really take the game seriously. So they're not getting paid the big bucks like the male, uh, their male counterparts. So at this point, it's a really a passion for the game. And women understand the game better today probably than when I was your age 25, 30 years ago. They understand the game of football a lot better today. Oh, yeah. And you have, you know, major stars that don't get their press out there. You know, you got the Sammy Grisafis of the Chicago Force, Jeanette Grays. Um, you got, you know, the Jessica Hopkins, the uh, Monique Axiolas. Uh, I can go on and on in terms of, you know, uh, marquee players that are making names for the women's game. So it's, it's exciting times for, uh, you know, women's tackle football right now. And elevating the sport is our number one goal within the next couple of years is to really branch out and express to just the, the average football fan that there is, uh, you know, quality uh, American football and being played by women. Oscar, what's your website and your Twitter address for people that are interested again? Yeah, everybody can follow us and support us uh, on Twitter at Gridiron Beauty. It's uh, Gridiron Beauty, uh, Beauty, B-A-U-T-I-E. And they can always follow us on Facebook, Gridiron Beauties as well. Uh, We always have our link on our Twitter feed. The Twitter is the best place to find us. And uh, our website for the apparel, if they want to check it out, it's www.zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. And you can always find our podcast as well as on ultimatesportstalk.com. Oscar, I appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for your insight into the NFL draft and telling us more about your website. Thanks, David. Have a great afternoon. Enjoy. Safe travels. Our thanks here tonight to Oscar Lopez for being our guest at ultimatesportstalk.com, talking about the NFL draft. Don't forget, that's going to be next Thursday night. Who will the Browns take? We're going to talk more about that next week when we do our complete First round mock draft. That will be next Thursday night. Greg Mitchell will be joining me then, and we'll go over the entire first round and do our predictions. That will be an hour before the actual draft begins, finally, next Thursday night, May 8th. It's time now to take a look at the NHL playoffs, and boy, did a couple of series last night end dramatically. The New York Rangers moved into the Eastern Conference semifinals against Pittsburgh with their big win over Philadelphia, and the L.A. Kings did what many thought was the impossible, coming back from an 0-3 deficit to the San Jose Sharks and beating them 
in the final game seven in overtime on a final goal to win that series four to three, becoming only the fourth team in NHL history to come back from an 0-3 deficit to win a series four games to three. So the semifinals are set up in each conference. In the Eastern Conference, it will be Boston taking on Montreal. Now, Montreal has the upper hand over the Bruins. They've won three times in four meetings, and they lost once. It's the 34th meeting between the Bruins and the Canadians in the postseason. My prediction? Boston to win this series in six games. I think that the Bruins are playing great hockey right now. The other Eastern Conference semifinal has the New York Rangers taking on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Well, in the season series, it has been tied. Pittsburgh won two, and then they lost one and lost one. The Penguins have won all four Stanley Cup series that they've played against the New York Rangers. So what am I going to take in this series? Rangers are playing great hockey. Pittsburgh sort of cruised through the series against Columbus, but the Blue Jackets gave them a hard time. Pittsburgh still ended up winning it in six. I've got the Penguins winning this series over the New York Rangers in seven games simply because the Penguins have the home ice advantage. Now let's switch over to the Western Conference. Of course, the L.A. Kings have the upper hand over Anaheim, coming in with great momentum. They've won four in a row. But Anaheim won the season series against the Kings this year. The Ducks won four of five meetings. They won four games and tied the fifth one. Not only is this the first time that the Anaheim Ducks will play the Kings in the playoffs, believe it or not, this is the first time any Los Angeles area teams have played each other in any of the major sports in the playoffs. The Dodgers have never faced the Angels. The Clippers have never faced the Lakers. And the Ducks have never faced the Kings. That changes this week. I've got Anaheim winning this series in five games. And in the final semifinal series in the NHL, it's the Chicago Blackhawks taking on the Minnesota Wild. Boy, the Wild, what a wild team they are. They have won the season series against the Blackhawks this year. Three wins, one loss, one tie in the five meetings. The Wild are looking to avenge a five-game playoff route to the Blackhawks last year. Well, I don't think it will happen this year. Even though the Wild have the upper hand in the regular season, the postseason is totally different. And it's going to be different this year with the Blackhawks beating the Wild, I think, in five games. That sets up in the Eastern Conference Finals, according to my predictions, Boston against Pittsburgh, and in the Western Conference, Anaheim against Chicago. Well, at the top of tonight's show, we discussed the Donald Sterling incident, but we didn't get a chance to get into the NBA playoffs, and we are going to do that right now. But before we do that, there was a resignation last night, NBA coaching ranks. Of course, that happened in the state of California at Los Angeles, where Mike D'Antoni, after suffering two frustrating seasons as coach of the Los Angeles Lakers, 
in which his job security and faith in his coaching ability has been questioned on almost a daily basis by many former Lakers, including, as I said at the top of the show, Magic Johnson. Well, it was announced that Mike D'Antoni has resigned from being the coach of the Lakers. D'Antoni was entering the third year of a three-year contract in which the Lakers held the club option for a fourth season, and it appears that was the problem and was the sticking point between D'Antoni staying and leaving. CBS Sports NBA writer Royce Young talks about Mike D'Antoni stepping down as the Lakers head coach. Yeah, I think it's kind of surprising in some ways. Um, you know, I think the big hang-up, and it came out publicly, is that he wanted his option picked up for 2015-16 season, and the Lakers were unwilling to do that. And I think that Mike, from Mike D'Antoni's perspective is that they were basically asking him to be a lame-duck coach this, this next upcoming season. Um, they, they really aren't looking to spend a whole lot in, in terms of restocking their team. The, the Lakers are looking toward the 2015-16 season as when they can really try to retool. You know, they're going to have a high lottery pick this year, um, but the, the real cream of the crop in the free agent market may be there in terms of players that would be willing to come to Los Angeles would be there in two years. So you know, I, I think that Mike D'Antoni could kind of see the writing on the wall. Um, he wanted some, some kind of long, uh, long-term uh, sustainability with his contract, and the Lakers weren't willing to give that to him. So um, you know, I think that he's kind of – Mike D'Antoni is surveying the NBA uh, landscape right now and seeing that, hey, there might be some intriguing jobs popping up here in the near future, potentially Oklahoma City, Houston. Um, so maybe he's trying to cut ties and have an option to go somewhere else soon. Actually, I could see D'Antoni landing in Utah. I think that would probably be the best if Tyrone Corbin has already stepped down. D'Antoni took over for Mike Brown in the 2012-13 season with the Lakers after Brown was fired five games into the season, and everybody was upset because Jim Buss, who took over for his late father, decided to go with D'Antoni rather than let Phil Jackson come back for a third term as coach of the Lakers. Well, the NBA playoffs are going on, and tonight there are a pair of games. And let's take a look at what's in the NBA. Actually, nothing is happening tonight, but tomorrow night it will be the Thunder taking on the Grizzlies. Now, the NBA playoffs are extremely interesting because it just simply is teams that are upsetting each other. First, for example, in the Eastern Conference, you've got Atlanta and Indiana. The Hawks, a surprising three games to two lead over the Pacers. Washington has already beaten Detroit four games to one. Toronto is on top of Brooklyn three games to two. And Miami has already advanced against Charlotte four games to none. Now, the winner of the Toronto-Brooklyn series takes on Miami in the Eastern Conference. And the winner of the Atlanta-Indiana series takes on Washington. And that game six will be in Atlanta. Now, over in the Western Conference, the San Antonio Spurs hold a three games to two advantage over Dallas. And Portland holds a three games to two advantage over Houston. And both teams are going home. Out west also, it's the L.A. Clippers leading three games to two going into Golden State tomorrow night. And as I said, also tomorrow night, Memphis will take on Oklahoma City. That game is in Memphis, and the Grizzlies lead that series three games to two. Now, the winners of the Clippers-Golden State series will take on the winner of the Oklahoma City-Memphis series. And on the other semifinals, it will be San Antonio-Dallas winner taking on the Houston Portland winner. That's a look at the NBA situation. Let's move into Major League Baseball to round out tonight's Ultimate Sports Talk show. And here's what's happening 
in the Major League Baseball standings up to date. This is after action from this afternoon. First of all, in the American League Central Division, the Detroit Tigers lead it with a 14-9 and record over Kansas City. They are a game and a half ahead of the Royals with a 14-12 and record. And on top of that, the Tigers have won two straight. The Royals have won three straight. Matter of fact, there are three teams right now that have won three straight in the American League. Kansas City, Oakland, and the Los Angeles Angels. The team with the longest losing streak in the American League so far? Cleveland. They've lost six in a row, and they're in last place in the Central. In the American League East, the Yankees lead the division by two over Baltimore, two and a half over Boston. And in the American League Western Division, it is Oakland with a three-game lead over Texas. Oakland 18-10, and 10, and that is the best record in the American League, leading Texas with a 15-13 and 13 mark, and the Angels are in third place, 14-13, and 13, three and a half games behind Oakland. Now over in the National League, the team with the best record, not only in the senior circuit, but in also all of baseball, the Milwaukee Brewers. They're 20-8. and eight. They lead the National League Central by five and a half games over the St. Louis Cardinals at 15-14. and 14. The Reds are 12-15, and 15, and the Pirates are scuffling also. They're nine games back at 10-16. and 16. In the National League East, it's Atlanta, 17-9. Two games up on the New York Mets and two games up on the Washington Nationals, except for the Mets have one fewer win than the Nationals and one less loss. And in the National League West, it's the San Francisco Giants at 17-11, and 11, taking on the L.A. Dodgers. One game up, they're 16-12, and 12, but the Giants lead the division with a 17-11 and 11 record. And then comes Colorado, a game and a half back at 16-13. and 13. And the team with the worst record in the National League, in the National League, it's not Chicago, it's the Arizona Backs at 9-22. and 22. And who's the team with the worst record in the American League? Houston at 9-19. and 19. And that's going to do it for tonight's Ultimate Sports Talk Show. Thanks for joining me here this evening. Don't forget, next week, Greg Mitchell will be joining me as we undergo our mock draft of the entire first round. That's how we're going to spend the hour next week, next Thursday night, on the Ultimate Sports Talk Show here at ultimatesports.com. And don't forget, on Monday night, Mark Donahue and I will be back with you here at the website to discuss the Cincinnati Reds and the Cleveland Indians on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. That's at 9 o'clock on Monday night. I want to thank our guests here this evening, Sharona, from the Yahoo Sports Radio Show, Game Over, and Oscar Lopez, the founder of Gridiron Beauty Social Sites and No Joke Football Brand. Those were our guests this evening. Outstanding information on the NFL Draft coming up next Thursday night. Also want to thank our producer here this evening, Greg Mitchell. Of course, that music tells us for another week, that's going to do it for us at the Ultimate Sports Talk Show. Of course, our greatest thanks go out to you for listening here this evening. Don't forget, next Thursday night we'll be back at 7 o'clock. Greg Mitchell and I will go over our mock draft for the first round of the NFL Draft. Until then, have a good weekend, a good week. Get ready for the draft next week, everybody. I'm Dave Mitchell. Good night.